medical school moves very fast, and it's great when we can take a moment and process the experience. In this episode, I get the chance to sit down with two of my favorite people, um, second-year medical students Blake Finley and Eliza Folau. They also serve as RealMD leaders, so we get to work together quite a bit. Um, in this episode, we talk about what it's like for them to uh, be an MS2 right now in medical school, how their reasons for pursuing medicine have evolved after a year of uh, medical school behind them, and how they keep their why alive. Um, we also talk about a national conference with the American Association of Medical Colleges called RISE that they both attended last summer. Um, what struck me most throughout this conversation was just this idea of bringing humanity into medicine and what that looks like right now and in their future. Um, of course, it was so great to sit down with um, some wonderful students, and I hope you enjoy this episode. I am so excited to have uh, both Blake and Eliza here who serve as our MS2, their second year students. Um, Real MD facilitators, among many other things, and among many communities, I'm sure, both in medical school and outside of medical school. Is that, was that nice? Nice little intro? Yeah, that was a great intro. Good. Um, and we're going to talk about Real MD. We're going to talk about this summer. Mm -hmm. um, I, I want to hear your stories, too. Um, and I think maybe that's the best place to kick off, is just here you are. You are second-year medical students. And we work together, obviously, on, on multiple levels, and RealMD being one of them. Um, I want you to just take a minute, uh, and we'll start with you, Eliza, and, and look back on what has happened, like what got you here, and just um, kind of where you're at right now being an MS2. And then, Blake, you're not off the hook. I'll, I'll ask you in just a minute. <laughs> oh, dang. <laughs> yeah. I sometimes I, like, I'm walking up to our like, class, and I'm like, how, like, it feels like I don't even have a memory of, like, what ended me in, like, going up to take my TBL, like, that I have no idea what I'm doing. It just feels kind of surreal. Um, but in the moment when you're, like, taking those exams, you're like, this is very, very real. This is very um, visceral. <laughs> that, at least that feeling you get when you don't get the score you wanted. Um, but I think... Looking back now um, from my whole, what, month, month two months of MS2, I think about MS1 and I think about how much of a culture shock that was for me and how, like, this is, this is life now. This is what it looks like. And um, I guess I almost look back with, like, pride for, like, MS1 Eliza and, like, how she's acclimated and um, really, like, confronted the challenges that she that she faced. Yeah. Speaking in third person. That's no, I like how you went into third person. That's always a critical person. sign of like a good storytelling right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I do think that there is an element of looking forward and looking back. And, um, and when we do that, we start to notice uh, who, who you were and, and where you're headed and, yeah. and even sort of have to pinch yourself about like, what what am I doing and how did I get, how did I get exactly here and and what does that even mean and and on the I guess one follow-up question for you Eliza is on this road to thinking acting and feeling like a physician um does the Eliza now um feel a little closer to that than the Eliza of a year ago Yes. I like I think ironically the MS1 Eliza was like, "Oh, I am set. We are here. We are good. We are like be Eliza physician is one call away, you know." And I think it's taken a lot of like introspection, a lot of um like feedback and correction. I think by my community who is under no obligation to like help me become, you know, to like recognize like, "Oh, like I do have a deficit here. There are like places I can improve." And um, I guess just really being open to, um, like, where I fall short and maybe not necessarily improving those weaknesses, mm. but, like, seeing them. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I don't, I, you know, we, we're so good at the deficit piece and looking, noticing, and, and um, 
allowing ourselves to constantly remind ourselves yeah. about the deficits. I think starting to see where where we're doing great, where we can improve, and and being maybe more kind, which is something that I think all of us can yeah. can maybe listen to more. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, you've progressed. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something. Something is is going great, you know. <laughs> and I'll take that after 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 a few of these quizzes. I'm thinking, I'll, a W anywhere is great. Yeah. Yeah. So, Blake, you now have to answer this, this question. <laughs> oh, I knew this was coming. But what's it like? What's it like being an MS2? And can you believe where you are now versus where you were a year ago? Yeah, I mean, it's been quite the journey to make it here. I mean, I'm just looking back at first year of medical school, and, yeah, I don't even know what we did back then. You know, I'm looking what the first years are doing now, and I don't know what I was doing when I was in there position it just went by so quickly and right now my mind is just kind of stuck in the moment but uh you know on a higher level I do feel more confident in what I'm doing now I mean a lot of it wasn't just learning the medicine learning the foundational sciences it's just it's learning how to interact with people and learning how to learn too I mean so I'm doing a lot more than I was back then but I feel like I can handle it better too and it's like what you and Eliza were saying I've uh felt like not only have I managed my weaknesses, but I've also been able to capitalize on my strengths for it. And that I feel was the biggest part of first year was just learning how to do that more so than it was learning the actual medicine of it. Mm. So now I feel like I'm busier than ever, as we were talking about a little bit earlier um, before we started recording, Tom, but I feel like I've gained kind of both the hard and soft skills to manage that. So I'm a lot more productive and, uh, really enjoying second year as it goes but it's um as eliza was saying i mean sometimes it's hard to believe we're here right now yeah i think it's shocking how fast time goes by um in a rigorous program um but life generally seems to go by pretty quickly but yeah it is uh definitely going moment to moment do you feel like and i'll go back to you blake and then we'll bounce back to eliza but do you feel like your reasons for being here have evolved at all? I think so. You know, I guess I'll start from the beginning about why I chose medicine to begin with. And the truth is I don't have a great answer to that question. It's always just been something I've been drawn to. And I don't know why exactly. And I explored a lot of career paths growing up and in college. Um, You know, particularly I was looking at aviation, which very different from medicine, but that was another interest of mine. Mm -hmm. But every time I would explore something else, whether it's aviation, you know, looked at dentistry a little bit, looked at business, Mm -hmm. I just couldn't see myself doing that. I kept being drawn back towards medicine. And then, you know, I'd explore medicine more via shadowing, volunteering, working, whatever. And I just fell more and more in love with this. So there's never just an aha moment for me. It was never just this is why medicine's for me, but just always seemed like it was ingrained in me that this is mm-hmm. what I had to do. And for me, it's, um, I really love the science behind it. Um, there's something elegant, I think, in being able to look at something and know how it works. And uh, what medicine does is we look at stuff starting at the individual atoms and molecules and you build up to cell function, then to uh, you know, tissue function, then to organ, then the entire human. You, you know, they ingrained it in us with the biochemistry and the physiology, just how the human body works, starting small and working mm-hmm. to big. And and I love that. I love knowing how things work. And for me, there's something great about just knowing how humans work, how life works. And that's what drew me towards medicine. But uh, initially, but now that I'm in medical school, I've gotten a better look at the humanity side of it, mm. you know, the impact that we have in patients' lives, the difference we're able to make in not just patients, but in entire communities. Mm -hmm. And that to me is so meaningful. The work is so fulfilling. So yeah, my reasons have evolved, not necessarily changed, but they've built on each other. I, Mm. I still love the science, but I love the patients too. I love the impact I'm able to have in people's lives. Yeah. I like what you're saying. Like to start off by debunking the idea of, um, the aha moment because I don't know how many people truly <laughs> where's your eureka moment we, yeah. we all yeah. hope for it we're like and then the clouds parted and my mind 
immediately knew everything that I was going to do in my, you know, that doesn't, that's not, I I don't think it's helpful. I mean, I think we get enlightened on some things sometimes. And if you have had that experience, congratulations. But I think obviously (laughs) that it's, it's more iterative than that for sure. And then this idea of loving how things work and then realizing more of the idea of the humanity. I love that you said humanities because obviously that's my, like the water I was drinking back in 2002 with my undergrad um, was all humanities and I had no clue why I was doing it because there's like no, there's no, there's not really a path out of it. Is there a degree for watching um, videos in the basement of the library? (laughs) (laughs) If there is, I am, you know, I should, I should get it, but (laughs) (laughs) watching VHS tapes of uh, training videos. Um, But yeah, I do think that uh, we don't always know how it all fits together, but it is great to see that it's evolving into more of an interpersonal reason as to why you care about why things work and and getting to a level of depth uh, around um, the sciences and, and, and working as a clinician. Uh, okay, it's over to you, Eliza. My turn. Um, I think that for, I did not have a eureka moment, but I did know I wanted to go into medicine from like, from the, from the jump. Um, and I really tried to um, outrun that fate, like really try anything else that would have led to any like approximation of, I think, the same meaning and happiness and fulfillment that medicine offered. And when I say like outrun fate, like picture, picture Jonah in the well, picture Elsa in Frozen, like we are, we are really striving to escape medicine, um, and specifically that of an MD program. And then, um, I don't know, it just kind of came to this point where I was like, who am I to deny like what is so, um, so blatantly obvious? Like this is, this is what it has to be. And so I ended up, I don't say ended up, I worked hard to um, apply to medical school and to come here. And um, in applying here, I kind of found that my reasoning was like founded in the humanities of medicine. I wanted to impact like underserved communities and underrepresented. And if there was going to be a discrepancy or a disparity, I was going to fix it single-handedly by myself, you know, like that was really, um, kind of how I went into it. And then I think as you get exposed to medicine and the culture of clinicians and the, I don't know how else to explain it, but the hurt of patients and the, yes, they come in for injuries, but like, the socio socioeconomic factors of it all, like I almost feel like you do have to adapt and you do have to evolve. Um, what what may bring you to medicine is not what may keep you there. Mm. And um, I found that what has kept me in medicine is, of course, this humanity driven um, and humanity based values, but more so this really like fundamental belief that like I I can do this and I belong here this is it Mm -hmm. yeah and I I mean I'll obviously now process what you're saying (laughs) which you expected but this idea of a push and pull to get here because you said and then I kind of ended up here and I know that it's not just merely wishing to be in medical school and all of a sudden yeah you're in medical school obviously there's a Herculean effort to figure that out. But it is this idea, I think, of being drawn to something and also almost trying to pull yourself away. Should I do aviation? Should I, can I do anything else but medicine? As you you both have sort of shared these different experiences and and then realizing, no, there's, there's something here and I can't even if I want to turn away from it, I'm, I'm unable to. There's something here that um, means something to me. And I, I relate to that. I think that, uh, I think that's when, that's, that's sort of the anti-aha moment sort of yeah. way of looking at it, where it's like, um, even despite my own efforts to, to maybe look elsewhere, I, yeah. in, intrinsically in me, I feel like this is something that mm-hmm. I, I need to, I need to try, I need to do, you know? 
So I, I appreciate both of those very authentic uh, responses. Um, so you're here, you're MS2. It, it is now, um, uh, you know, it seems like more is added to what you are <laughs> supposed to do. Sure. If it's possible to accelerate, uh, it does accelerate. Um, <laughs> and I think we have to be honest about that uh, on many levels. Um, and then you're in you're in Real MD. I, I guess I want to talk about Real MD a little bit more, mm -hmm. just around uh, you became involved in Real MD. Why did you want to do that? Uh, um, we selected you, um, and and have obviously enjoyed working with you. What what is that like? What what is being a Real MD facilitator? And I'll kick it over to you, Eliza, to answer that yeah. first. Um, my interest in Real MD stemmed from like transition week, and I felt like. Real MD was, I'm not, how do I say this kindly, was really one of the only presentations that, like, I guess was like, oh my gosh, like, these people speak my language, like, they get what I'm here for, like, they get me, like, someone is recognizing, like, this larger, yes, professional development, but almost, like, interpersonal, like, progression and how valuable that is, and so that's what drew me to Real MD, and then, in being part of RLMD and um, like going through medical school, I've, I think I have considered authenticity every day. I'm like, I'm a student coordinator. Like, um, how does this feel authentic to me? Like, I really bring that up a lot to like my own consciousness, but also like in my interactions with others. Like, is this, is this real to you? Is this authentic to you? Is this um, meaningful? Um, to you and the communities you come from and represent mm. um, because it's something that I like I look for that reflection in others because it's something that I um, I think about frequently and so I think it just paints um, maybe like glazes a lot of my perspective in medicine do you feel like you have to hold you have to actively hold on to authenticity do you, do you feel like that's like a thing that you have to say consciously work on as I'm pursuing it, I'm finding it's not so much as a, like, like, oh, like, let's, like, grabbing my umbrella to go out the door. It's more of, like, I don't know how it's described. Like, it's like a pair of earrings you're already wearing. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just, oh, yep, like, tapping into it, like, remembering oh, yeah. you have it on. Yeah. I like that. Like, realizing what yeah. is already there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, that's very true. And you already brought up strengths, Blake, in saying, am I managing my weaknesses? Which I love the word manage because we're always like trying to say, can I overcome them completely? It's like, no, yeah. am I managing these things that sure. are just part of who I am? And am I um, leveraging my strengths, you know? But um, maybe talk more about your interest in RealMD and some of, the, some of the things you've learned in being a part of it. Yeah, my biggest reason for becoming interested in real MD was just the focus on the why and staying true to your authentic self. You know, the why are you pursuing medicine and not only why did you start pursuing medicine, but why do you stay in medicine? And what I found is, you know, I, I had my reasons, which we talked about earlier, but if you're not careful, your why may not be truly authentic. You know, and what I found during the medical school admissions process is, was my why you know, true to me, or was it the why that the admissions offices were looking for? And I found myself drifting away from my authentic self. So what I found with Real MD, you know, during orientation and when we got introduced to the program, is it just helped you stay grounded, helped you stay connected to your authentic self. And I think that's necessary to really thrive and be successful in the field of medicine. And uh, you know, part of that, I'm not trying to dampen the mood here, but there are a lot of downsides to pursuing medicine. You know, I, um, I actually just recently learned this from a friend, but if you Google, you know, professions with the high suicide rate, it's medical doctors mm -hmm. at the top. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, you know, this profession takes a toll on us uh, mentally, physically, and just everything we have to sacrifice to enter this field is insane. It takes all of our 20s, you know, decades of training, hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, but in my opinion, it's worth it, you know, but to make sure it stays worth it and to make sure I can overcome those bad reasons, I think you need to stay connected to your authentic self. You gotta know your why, because that's what's going to get you through the tough times and make sure you, you know, come out ahead on the other end of all this. Yeah. 
I mean, you're certainly speaking my language, of course, with with what this work is, and and even eight years ago realizing there needs to be more of these kind of conversations about your why and about showing up up authentically and realizing, oh, you know, I'm these things are already a part of me. Am I really um, allowing them to be a part of me? Um, so. But I guess what I often say is, you know, is the system acting upon me or am I acting upon the system? Um, I have to be in the system. I have to learn how to negotiate uh, my way through it, but not lose myself in that in the process of that negotiation, you know. And I do think negotiation is a good word because it's like you still have to, you know, I don't even know the full scale of what it's like to deal with EMRs, but I know, <laughs> I know there's plenty and I know sure. what you're asked to do, um, as, um, uh, you know, physician writers, Atul Gawande, um, Abraham Verghese, I mean, all these people who talk about like losing your humanity and the fact that we have these like EMRs and these systems that essentially take away time that we could truly be spending with patients. And actually, what does that physical exam look like? What does the patient history look like? What does it look like? engaging a patient um, and not letting the EMR take that away. And I, I think that is a maybe a micro example of just generally like um, we're all in these systems and will the systems act upon us to a point that we lose ourselves or not? Um, and I think that's a really fair question to ask. Yeah. Right? Totally. How do you react to, to that? I mean, now you've noticed that the you're, you're exposed to the systems, you're exposed to things. You will um, certainly embark on more clinical training soon, sooner, sooner than we even think. But what God do you hope for? The Creek don't yeah. Rise. What do you hope for as you as you look forward? Yeah. So for me, you know, at a basic level, what I'm hoping for is a lot of to avoid burnout or to avoid, you know mental depression or stresses on my mental health. What I want to do is remain happy while I'm practicing medicine because I really do love this profession. I love the science. I love interacting with patients. And I want to make sure that my mental health, my state of being, reflects a person who loves what they're doing. And I don't want to fall victim to some of the mm -hmm. you know, bad sides of the system that may take its toll on me. So my long goal throughout all of my training is just to remain happy while I'm doing this because I really do mm -hmm. love this and I don't want to lose sight of it. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Eliza? Um, I think in, I guess, discovering or unburying my why and I, or remaining true to the often, like the authenticity of what brought me to medicine, I've found that whys and, um, purpose we have to allow it to be dynamic. We have to allow ourselves the opportunity to change. I think with authenticity, we might equate it to honesty, which can be extrapolated to truth. And truth is never changed and is always this and never, like, never changed. But the reality is, like, as humans and as um, I think professionals and people who value interpersonal growth, you would hope that your why would evolve. You would hope that your purpose changes. And um, I'm finding that like, that's okay. Like it's okay to value things less or it's okay to disregard or maybe dissociate from things that I once held so tightly to. Those things are not important to me anymore. And that's fine. That is still very, um, very authentic to self mm. and so I find that my like a dynamic approach to authenticity is how I hope to maintain um, not just this I guess warrior against the system but to emphasize your point Blake a happy warrior right yes of course we're always negotiating these things but I'm happy here yeah and I always think about like fulfillment and what it takes in a given season of what's happening to mm -hmm. to be fulfilled and and I don't even define fulfillment as like uh even happiness or that everything's working out the way according to plan because right. I've learned in my life that like nonlinear is actually the plan that is like yeah. it's not it's like circular it doesn't make sense but I sometimes in my self-reflection I'm just thinking like what is working now and I maybe loosened up 
um, in this way, and yeah. and now I'm, um, you know, having to focus and and think of things in another way. You know, I, it's just it just seems like, um, yeah, I'm constantly sort of trying to figure out what's working. Does it ever? And I'm curious. Do you guys ever feel like nothing's working ever? Like, have you ever felt just completely detached from like? oh, like, I think I'm not doing well here. It seems like I can't, like, get, like, ahead in any regard. How do you guys, like, I'm asking, like, I guess personally, like, how do you, like, say, okay, no, like, that's not, that's not a fair critique of what's happening, you know? I really like this question because I think when you are trying to be authentic and you're trying to keep your why alive and things aren't going the way you thought, or there's a struggle, I think that that's um, really where, uh, for me anyway, uh, and and I felt many times like nothing's working out the way that I thought it would work yeah. out. Or do I even, let's go, let's go a little deeper, like do I really belong? You know, it, um, is this right? Because uh, I think we have to examine and re-examine those things uh, mm-hmm. throughout our lives and throughout our endeavors. Um, and I always sort of start, I just go back to all the way to like basic things again is sort of okay. my approach. Um, like this, a couple weeks ago, I was feeling pretty anxious and like, wh- how, how is all this making sense and, and mm-hmm. uh, what I'm working on and, and is it going to work out the way I hope? And I realized that I, I had kind of stopped um, free writing in the morning. I spend like 10 minutes just like free writing whatever I want on a, in a moleskin. Oh, wow. And uh, I, just, I just set a timer and, and I don't restrict anything. It's grammatically very poor. It is, uh, there's <laughs> run-on sentences. That there's, um, uh, I How would many say, pages do you get? I just, I, it's like a page and a half. Okay, yeah. And, and, and sometimes I was like, it's a page and a half. Um, and, uh, and that seems to help just cause like I need to let out whatever is, is there. And then, and then I, um, you know, we'll start to sort of reflect again and start to go through, um, some of the, some of the things I have a few like, um, goals and values that are in written form on my phone. And I just sort of go through the slideshow and, and um, so maybe that's a quick way of saying it. I just start go through the slideshow again, and then that kind of resets me, and then I kind of start to go forward. Okay. But I, I, I'm glad you said that, because I don't think having meaning and purpose and f- being fulfilled and having a why and showing up authentically mean that everything is always like, I have full energy stores, I'm capable of, like, I'm always, like, on the high end of yeah. like doing yeah. things that I thought I, I don't, I think most of it is more like I'm grinding this out and I'm sure. holding on to some things and I'm having to remind myself of, um, what matters and then, and then start showing up from that, uh, pers- from that vantage point, I guess. Do you ever feel like you're almost like, I, maybe this is such a juxtaposition to authenticity, but do you ever feel like you're faking it till you make it like, well, my authentic self would do this. Like, so sure. I'm going to, like, my authentic self values these things from my slideshow. I'm going to present this mm-hmm. way today. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I don't like the word fake, but I get, I love, I mean, obviously fake mm-hmm. it till you make it. It just has a ring to it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but uh, I believe that you have to sometimes um, show up when you don't feel like showing up. Yeah. And show up around the things that, that you know you value when you're so discouraged that you're not even sure you value them anymore. Okay. And, and I, sometimes I tell medical students too, like even with the idea of specialty exploration that you're, when you try on a specialty, um, there's an episode about this in the past. It's just like mentally, how deeply can you try that on? Yeah. How deeply can you embody what you think it means to be, uh, that, physician in that specialty because when you do that then you can process how you feel about it but when you're holding back and you're saying i don't necessarily know if i really want to commit to this so i'm going to kind of float around it Mm -hmm. and pretend as much as i can but i'm like if you really tried it on and you like showed up and you were talking to your friends and your colleagues like i'm going to be 
and you know, an IM doc or an orthopedic surgeon, sure. whatever, yeah. I, I'm going to go into peds and you actually say it out loud and you walk around uh, as if, Yeah. maybe the word as if is better as than if. fake it. I like that. It's like, I'm doing this as if, and I have full uh, authority and control to say, maybe I won't feel this way or maybe I'll shift. There will be a shift in perspective, but I think sometimes we hold back as a, as a way to protect Mm-hmm. And in a way that keeps us from really figuring out if that's truly how we feel about something or, or, um, or maybe it keeps us from attaching ourselves truly to the meaning we're trying to create, you know, that makes sense. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It made a lot of sense that to makes, me. That makes great sense. <laughs> I was like, Tom, did you just go on a verbal journey that no one else no, I was wanted right there. to go yeah, on? I was on this journey with you, man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So with RealMD and your role in RealMD as facilitators, what, what are you trying to show up with? Like what, what, do you, um, what do you feel like you're trying to bring? Eliza. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, I, I really need to go back to the RISE conference and – well, I need to go back always, every summer. This is my formal petition. But um, the, I showed up to medicine in MS1, and I, I'll i be the last one to admit it, but I really feel like I had this God complex, and not in the sense that I thought I was like smarter than anyone else, but I really thought I was here for the right reasons. Like, I'm here to serve the underserved. And, like, maybe, I mean, we could even venture into, like, a savior complex too, but, like, and I think I held judgment for people who were not here to like labor under the hot sweating sun right like I was like oh my gosh like you're just here for money you know and it's like and like obviously there's I think there's something to be said about altruism and like the greatness that holds and not that I'm an altruistic person but I really kind of had that sense of meaning and then when I went to the rise conference I realized like how fundamentally I think not just like wrong but also hurtful that was to my authenticity Mm -hmm. and like allowing myself to be more than just this kind of like um altruistic quixotic person like and also damaging to the relationships I like were was in I like wouldn't connect with people because I was like, oh my gosh, like you want to go into this high pain specialty, like la la la. And I looked down upon that. And so I think as a real MD facilitator and someone who is really digging into authenticity and value and meaning and beliefs, I, I try to show up suspending judgment and suspending or at least like overlaying my experiences and my um like what I hold to be true and valuable and like just take those completely out of the room like getting to know people listening to them like what do you value what do you believe Mm. and those are equivalent if not greater to my own values and my own beliefs yeah and I appreciate that because it's once again like this humanity, humanity's lens, mm-hmm. um, of, uh, of how you start to listen to the narratives of why other people are there and what they're trying to do and suspending judgment. I appreciate yeah. that. I, we definitely want to talk about the rise conference, which yeah. is the double AMC conference. Yes. And we'll, we'll get into that in a minute. Um, but, uh, Blake, what do you, what's your response to Eliza and to the, to that prompt? Yeah, I agree with what a lot of Eliza said. Um, you know, what I've gotten out of Real MD is, uh, well, first, you know, it took me a long time to feel like I was contributing to the program because mm-hmm. I felt like for a long time being a facilitator, I was just learning from the program. Mm-hmm. It takes a long time to learn this professional identity formation, to learn about authenticity, everything we talk about. I felt like it took me a long time to really learn and to understand all of this stuff. And truth is, I'm still learning it. I don't know if I'll no, I think we'll be learning it our entire lives. All I don't us. think we. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think you ever finish learning this stuff. But no, now I'm to a point where I feel I can give back to the program a little bit. I feel like I've taken a lot from it. I've learned a lot. I've grown as a person. But now I feel like I can start contributing to the program. You know, kind of to repay what's been given to me. And mm-hmm. what I want to do now is, uh, 
you know, help bring RealMD to the rest of the student body. Um, you know, we have great RealMD retreats and get-togethers, and, and I love the work we've done to bring this to the student body through our lunch sessions or, um, you know, now we're going to try to integrate into the house structure with the new yeah. curriculum. So that's what I'm looking for now is um, now that I felt like I've learned from it, I want to bring this mm-hmm. to everybody else because I feel like I've benefited so much from this yeah. that everyone else could benefit from it too because this professional identity formation just isn't emphasized in the medical yeah. school curriculum. And I, it makes me think of the last session that you planned, which was, um, I mean, obviously I was presenting about branding and developing an authentic brand. Um, less about me, but like uh, you specifically said, our, our class, our MS2 class needs to hear some content around this. And then what I enjoyed more than anything was just this, this interaction with your class. I felt like I hadn't seen your class for a while, but um, also the engagement around that and, um, and how you sort of knew that there was a gap and that that content would be helpful. So I, I think that's really cool that you have, um, you know, you've, you're reformatting things and finding different ways to, to bring different pieces of the puzzle in into um, your class. And, and you work with MS1s too, and we're about to def, um, go down that road as well. Um, let's, talk about, let's talk about RISE. What is RISE? Um, and what was that experience like? And let's go with Blake. Yeah. Okay. Let's see if I can uh, answer what is Rise first. I mean, yeah. I mean, so AAMC conference, which Tom, you founded it along with uh, some of your colleagues at the AAMC. That's right. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's fo- it's bringing professional identity formation to medical students from across the country. Did I get that definition about yeah. right? I'm on the spot yeah. here since the founders are uh, asking yeah. me what it is. He's like, and what did you learn from yeah. my talk? Did you take notes? Where are they? Yeah. Okay. I'll glad. check your notes after. Just... Yeah. Perfect. Okay. I'm glad I could get that a little bit right at least. No, it is but... for sure. And it, and it, foundation is professional identity formation. On the surface, it's it's branded as like a leadership conference, but I think you know after being there that that was not exactly what it is it's it's more about professional identity formation and about 90 students from across the country um, came together which was really cool yeah i mean i absolutely love that aspect of it too just uh you know meeting people from all around the country different medical schools and just seeing what their curriculum's like seeing what their schools are doing for this professional identity formation mm-hmm. it was great just to you know learn from a variety of spect- perspectives because you know, mine and Liza's perspectives may be a little bit skewed because sure. we primarily interact with other students from the University of Utah. So, right. you know, that was part of it that I enjoyed the most was just meeting everybody. Yeah, meeting a, a cross-section of what it looks like to go to medical school in the U.S. I mean, yeah, which is pretty cool to see that. It was amazing. Happen. It was honestly, like, just so enlightening, If like, if I can even use that word, to see others in their own like medical journey I think sometimes you like have even like within our class I feel like sometimes you get like blinders on and you're like oh like because our class is what 125 like it's it's Mm -hmm. small so you get like maybe like narrow vision and then like to go to this conference and like like it just it makes medicine I think feel a little bit more breathable like there's people here and it's a whole ecosystem (laughs) yeah yeah and in two and a half days of being with students and having essentially real MD-based sessions, um, and then some, I think they had some great um, additional institutions and people presenting. Uh, what were sort of your takeaways from, from RISE? Like, what, what have you held on to since then? Yeah, so biggest takeaway I got from there is just how fortunate we are here at the University of Utah to have RealMD because programs like RealMD don't exist pretty much at any other institution in the country. So I, I really am grateful for what we have. But uh, as far as the uh, conference content, the biggest thing that stuck out to me, um, you know, where I felt like I learned a lot about myself was uh, the strengths analysis and coaching we did. Um, see, I can't remember the name of the assessment, but... It was a strengths finder assessment. Strengths finder assessment. Yes, I feel like I, you know, not only do we take the assessment, but, you know, to walk through the report and go through it with a coach to help us understand, 
you know, not only what our strengths are, but how we can, you know, use these strengths to our advantage and how we can uh, improve ourselves using these strengths. I thought that was huge for me. I mean, that's definitely the thing that influenced me the most throughout that conference. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. What do you think, Eliza? Um, I, I took away that I'm a green leader. Um, I learned that. I thought the card system was phenomenal. I love that. Um, and I think we should implement it here. But um, I, I found that to, I found that everyone is a leader. Like, and maybe like if everyone's a leader, no one's a leader. I don't know. But like, I thought collaboration was like so emphasized and this is how you work with people who have different strengths than you. And maybe you touched on this in our last um, lunch session about how like other people's strengths can kind of compensate for our weaknesses. And I thought how valuable that was in, in medicine, but also in like interpersonal relationships where we ultimately grow, like, like just personally, I guess, um, how to, interact with others in like a way that's edifying for both of us that is helpful um that was like a really i think practical takeaway from rise and getting to meet others was so phenomenal i love that yeah that community aspect and realizing uh, sometimes leadership feels like um not everybody can lead or like it's a zero-sum game that if i'm leading someone and i love the idea of everybody in in whatever way they feel they can show up can lead and should lead and and um and that can be developed and fostered and all of that i think that's really powerful and ultimately i I agree i think the community building is um huge and and realizing um to bring you in blake to the idea of strengths and realizing that everybody has strengths i love that the card activity was splitting us up into four Um, different color-based um, type of leaders, right? Yeah, I brought my cards. You brought your cards. Yeah. You got like I builders. I don't um, yeah. And then I'm, I'm just going to say builders, and now you're going to say the rest. There you go. Adventures, planner, relators. Maybe yeah. I was a blue leader. Yeah. yeah, I think I was a planner, if yeah. I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. You're a green leader. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the green. Tom, what leader, what color leader are you? I, I always debate between green and, and, and blue. Oh. I sort of sit there. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's a good point, too. You can, uh, you know, you don't have to fit solidly into one category. You can, mm-hmm. you know, take some aspects of each category, kind of build your own brand a little yeah. bit out of these. Yeah. So yeah. these are a great starting point, but don't necessarily define who you are. Right. Yeah. And, I lo- and I love that you brought that up because I think the strengths finder or the card system around what kind of um, team leadership style do you gravitate toward? I think all of these are exercises in teasing out something that you um, notice and want to foster in yourself. And none of it um, by itself or if used as a way to sort of tell your fortune or something really would work. It's more like, how am I um, filtering through this and what do I want to hold on to and what makes sense to me? That's why I love all of these little exercises. I think in some ways on the surface, it's like, are these gimmicks? Are they, um, mm-hmm. are, are they monetizing like an assessment and, <laughs> yeah. and all that stuff? And I've had to grapple with that over the years. But at the end of the day, I'm like, if a student notices something great about themselves that they weren't allowing themselves to notice, and they start to use that fr- that strength more, then yes, it's worthwhile to do. If, if, um, if I feel like I'm a leader more than I thought I was before because I notice um, this leadership card and um, I'm in uh, team sessions or, or I'm joining a healthcare team and it helps me figure out how to do that in the way that I want to do that, then, then absolutely, totally worth it. I think for the most part, that's what these things have the potential to do if we let them, you know? Um, I want to get back to Rise real quick. And I yeah. ultimately, Rise happened after RealMD. And it happened because I talked to someone at, at the National uh, American Association of Medical um, Com- uh, Colleges conference so many years ago. And I just said, hey, we're doing something w- around leadership development. Yeah. And we didn't even articulate it as professional identity formation. There was like leadership development. And I think there's something unique happening there. And it would be really neat to see what it could do nationally. 
And um, it took years to figure that out. And, and um, a lot of different people, and not just me, it was Tony, and it was, it was the facilitators that came before you, and it's you now because you showed up there and did it. So it's a lot of people and certainly not one person. But what I'm sort of surprised by is less about like tooting the horn of real MD and more saying like these frameworks of like putting a stake in the ground around meaning and thinking about professional identity formation while you're being trained really matter. And what can happen if we actually try to convene people around that? That and, surprises you? Well, it's not, it's not just, it does, it's not a surprise necessarily for me, but it's like, what is the potential of that? Like yes. what could possibly yes. happen mm -hmm. if you were to do that? And I am, I guess I am a little bit surprised by, um, you know, it's one thing to see something happen in your backyard and it's another thing to look like nationally and say, is that happening out there? And like realizing maybe it's not as much as you hope it is. So I, I agree with you. Like we've had students in those national courts say, we need more of this stuff. So we know mm -hmm. if that's just a big focus group yeah. and, and still a little anecdotal, but we have some data around it now, but it's like, we know that it's like, yeah, there's a gap there. Mm -hmm. And um, I guess I'm just really gratified to know that um, that's happening. And when you're doing work that you care about, it's like, can we do it? Can we explore this? Can we see, can we send out a message and will something come back? You know, that kind of a thing. Yeah. So I think that's really cool. But I think it's validating, right, yeah. of this work that you've spent yeah. years yeah. years doing. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I agree, too. I mean, it's, uh, you know, you figure, of course, Eliza and I and all the other co-facilitators like this, we've chosen to work with you. But, um, you know, to see people from other parts of the country also agree, you know, they yeah. didn't really know what they were getting themselves exactly. into with this. And the fact that they were so receptive to it, that it was so meaningful to them, I mean, that's... Yeah. Just like, as you're saying, it goes to show just how important and how powerful this stuff is. Yeah. Yeah. And the student driven part is the part that um, continues to uh, amaze me. It's just like get a group of students, start talking about meaning and purpose and um, look for ways to incorporate their ideas. And and that in and of itself, like, is amazing. You know, and, I, and we've seen people from RISE who for, are from other schools take it back and do their own thing. I think that's really cool, too. Um, so fun to talk about all this stuff. I guess uh, as we time flies, um, I guess I'm just so glad. Uh, maybe this is like just such a cheesy way to say this, but <laughs> I'm just I just continue to be really glad that here you are, you express interest, and now you're MS2s, and we're still doing this stuff. And then we're about to get an MS1 group, and they're going to come in, and who knows how that, you know. Yeah. We have had a lot of inquiries, yeah. or at least I have, about the new MS1 stuff. It's exciting. Which is cool to see, yeah. to see happen. What do, you, uh, what do you hope for uh, next for, like, yourself and your class? I kind of want to end on that. Like, what what do you hope right now for your yourself and your class? I think um, that's where some of your effort has been recently. And I guess I just want to end with that. But Eliza, do you want to kick that off? Yeah. Um, in reflecting on my class and I think on this past year, I really, I really hope for joy in my class. Um, and I say that with intention, not happiness. I think that can be fleeting, not, not um, the sense of like Friday night fun. I really hope that there's this long enduring sense of fulfillment and meaning and purpose summed up in a wrapped box of joy for um, each of my classmates. And I, I think that might come from seeing others as they are and, um, offering acceptance of that um, authenticity. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. What do you want to say, Blake? Yeah, I mean, I, as we mentioned earlier, you know, I just want to be happy practicing medicine and, uh, you know, find it fulfilling. And I hope the same for my classmates. You know, I hope they all have happy, fulfilling careers in medicine. And I think by staying true to their authentic selves, you know, we can, we can all manage to do that. And, you know, short term, I would 
say one thing I'm hoping to see from my class would be a stronger sense of community. Um, mm -hmm. You know, as you know, both of you are aware, we've had a tough start to this year. We um, unfortunately lost a classmate right before classes started. And, you know, as everyone's grieving, it, everybody grieves differently. It's been rough. It has led to some divisions in the classes. The social dynamics have changed. Um, you know, and there's other contributing factors sure. to it too, but it's been a rough start to the school year. So I'm hoping that as time goes on, we can build a stronger sense of community and uh, come together you know, as we progress through our training. Yeah, yeah. I think both of you hit on a theme of, of um, we naturally, things can arise between us and challenges can be faced and you have your class community and then you have sub communities in that. And I, um, I, you know, it matters now and it also matters later because, uh, you know, that idea of replicating your ability to create a community and a sense of belonging in this environment, then you uh, will be transported into a completely new environment as part of residency training. And then um, how you show up for that and how you, you know, continue to build that is, is, uh, this is, it doesn't really change. I mean, I'll close with this quote, which was just, uh, who I am now is who I will be. Yes, you're going to evolve. You're going to change. But often we, we put this idea out that we're going to somehow change ourselves miraculously in the next phase. But ultimately it's like, what's going on with me now? Cause that's really who I'm going to be and I'll, I'll continue to work on it. But, um, we don't just show up later, we gotta show up now, so. This episode of The Real MD Podcast is produced and edited by Tom Hurtado and Ali Day. Special thanks to Scott Singpeel, Scope Radio, and University of Utah Health. The Real MD Podcast is part of the Real MD program at the Spencer Fox Eccles School of Medicine at the University of Utah which helps medical students find meaning, community, and purpose during their training and future careers. Our theme song, Energizer Bunny, is by my son's band, Hurtado. You can find our podcast on major platforms. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.